You're listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderland, New York. Now here's Pastor Sean. Hey, good morning, River. I am excited to be with you today. And uh, it's mid-May, as you know, and our college students have wrapped up their semester. And we've got some students that actually have graduated. And I've talked with them and just said, you know, what is this like? And they both, or at least the two that I'm thinking of, talked to me, just said, you know, it's a little kind of weird, kind of surreal. And uh, I just want to say that uh, we're proud of you guys. And, uh, and for all of our students, especially if you haven't graduated, that uh, we know these are uh, particularly unusual days for you guys, and even as you're making decisions. So just kind of wanted to give you guys a shout out. Hey, one challenge for our graduates I want to think about, and for, for really for all of us and for any students in, in college, you know, I've, I've done this a lot, uh, even just with younger kids. You know, what do you want to be when you grow up? And what is your major? Or what do you want to do? And those kinds of things. And uh, I'm reminded as we look at our passage this morning that while there's a lot of things that we do in life that uh, what really defines us is not what our job is going to be or what our particular degree is and that our purpose should be more than that. You see, if our, if our purpose in life is just simply wrapped up in a particular job or a particular career path or trajectory or educational line, then that really is going to lead us to serve ourselves and to serve what we want to do in this world. But instead, our purpose for all of us should be to, to glorify God and to honor Him and to, to live a life that honors Him. And, and along the way, He wants to use our career and our education and all of that for His glory, but we got to start there. And so with that thinking, this morning we're going to see that Paul talks about what our purpose is supposed to be as a church and, and as a, a church family. And it really involves what really our purpose is as Christians in this world. So take your Bible with me, if you would, and look uh, with me at 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, the Bible says this. Finally, brothers, Paul the Apostle says, he says, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as happened among you, and that we may be delivered from the wicked and evil men. For not all have faith, but the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. And we have confidence in the Lord about you, that you are doing and will do the things that we command. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. I want you to notice just three things this morning in this passage. And I want you to notice what, what our purpose is as a church, as Christians. I want you to notice that we have an enemy. And I want you to notice the help that we have, the, the supernatural help to, to accomplish God's purpose, to, to face the challenges of the enemy, and to make our way in this life. So, Paul, as he's beginning to close up his letter to the, the people there in, in, in Thessalonica, in modern-day Greece, he, he says, finally, he kind of transitions. He said, brothers, he says, pray for me. Pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead. That's the first thing to pray for. And that we may del be delivered from wicked and evil men. You see, Paul faced a lot of problems and a lot of challenges in life, and there's a lot of things that he could have asked prayer for. He could have asked the church to, to pray for a whole host of things, not only in his life, but in the world around him. He lived in the Roman Empire in a day when discrimination was rampant, 
in a, a day and age when poverty and slavery and all the social issues were off the charts way more than what we even see here in, in the U.S., he could have asked for prayer for all kinds of things, for health and financial stability and for uh, uh, just his own well-being, own state of mind. But he said, guys, what I really as a church want you to pray for, would you pray that the gospel would speed along, that it would rush forward, that it would, would race and push forward just like it did with you? If you go back in the book of Acts and you read that when Paul went to Thessalonica, he had faced some persecution in some, some churches. It was the second missionary journey we talk about. And, and Paul went into that city specifically to share the good news of Jesus Christ so that people would be freed from their sins, freed from the bondage in their soul and their heart, free, freed from the, the guilt and the shame and all of the junk that goes with it. And, and the Bible says that for three Sabbaths day, he went into the, the synagogues there and he, he reasoned with the, 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 the spiritual people today, the, the Jewish community. And the Bible says that some of them believed, which is significant. Often none believed, but, but some, some Jewish believer, people trusted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And it said many of the, the uh, Greek leaders, many of the Greek Gentile people in that community trusted Christ and not a few of the leading women. So many. So the gospel, when Paul showed up into town to a people who had never heard anything about Jesus, they didn't know anything about it. The Bible says in, in the book of Acts that he reasoned with them that, that Jesus was the Christ and that he would have to suffer and rise again on the third day. And within three weeks' time, there were many, many, many people that had trusted Christ. You see, the gospel of Jesus, that way of salvation, pushed and rushed along quickly. I think about COVID-19 for us. And the whole world wishes that we could rush forward and come up with a vaccine. That tomorrow, that we could come up with a solution to this, this illness. That we could all be inoculated and we could then go back and return to life and be done with social distancing. Stores could open up and, and business owners could could, could move forward in reestablishing their, their livelihood, that families could reunite, that people could go in and see one another, that those in the nursing homes would have more uh, security and, and more hope in all that they're facing. We wish that the, the, uh, the inoculation, that the vaccine could rush forward and take care of all that we've been facing these last several months. But I want you to know something. That Paul, with that same sense of urgency, and even more, is why he says, pray that the gospel, that the, the word of God would push forward. For Paul, the word of God was the gospel. That was the truth that he shared with the Thessalonians when they trusted Christ. And he said, guys, I want you to pray that it would continue to push forward. You see, for Paul, that's the greatest need of the world. Folks, as bad as COVID-19 is, and as much as we need a vaccine, and we do, and as much as we still need to be careful about all of these things, we do. I want you and I want us to realize that still the greatest need in the world is the gospel of the Lord Jesus. It's still the same. 
whether we're meeting online and Zoom and whether we're doing, you know, recording services or live streaming and, and the things that we think about with church and whether we're working from home and having to shift or whether we're out of work, all of those things. Our, the greatest need of the world still is the truth of the gospel of the Lord Jesus. And our mandate before a holy God in heaven is to help the world to hear that. Because you see, it's the, the sin in our lives that has bound us up in the lies, that has separated us from the God who loves us and gave his life for us. It's what, it, it's what causes all of the junk inside of our souls and creates the mess in our life that ultimately, when we die separated from God, we go into eternity without any hope, without any future, without any second chance. And so Paul, as he said, he said, guys, this is really what's most important. I wish we could maintain that urgency of the gospel. As a pastor, I, I, I live in that world. And I'll be honest, at times it crushes me with the weight of the need of people's lives. And I can't stay there. I have to have a, a, a break. I have to recuperate. And there's moments, and even like this week as I was studying with this, my heart just breaks. And I weep just asking God for, God, help me, help us as a church to represent you well, to share the gospel, to, to live that out, to put that on the front burner of our lives, to, to help that be the conversation piece. You see, that doesn't happen accidentally. Paul said, pray that this would go forward with an intentionality. It comes supernaturally that we need to pray for that end. So River... I want to encourage you, in these days that so much of life has been shut down, don't try to just numb yourself away with multiple Netflix videos or YouTube videos or now that it's spring to go throw yourself into landscaping and be the greatest landscaper in the world. Yes, those things are good and I'm doing some of those things today. Well, not the landscaping, that's not my thing. But, but be careful that you don't just try to fill the vacuum of stuff with more stuff. When we instead should be praying about these realities and that even though things have changed, that we still, God wants that gospel to go forward. So I want to urge you to pray for people around you, for people that are asking the questions, that are struggling, that are working through these things because it is still the opportunity of the gospel and Paul tells us that we should pray there. You see, he tells the church that because it's the church's responsibility. Paul was certainly the missionary apostle that went out from the church he trusted Christ and came and got knit in with the church. And the church, he was called out of the church by the Holy Spirit. And that church sent him forward in Antioch. And he would go around and, and spread the gospel and start churches was his strategy of, of evangelism and ministry. And he would come back and report to the church. So it's the church's purpose. It's our frontline purpose of what we should be about is the spreading of the gospel. Now, not only is it to spread the gospel, but it's also for the gospel to go deep into our souls. You see, for Paul, and we'll, we'll unpack this more in a minute, it's not that just that people would be saved and forgiven of their sins, but he wanted that, those gospel truths, that word of God, to sink in and to, to saturate into their lives. You know, the, the older a person is, when they finally trust Jesus, the more they've had a life of just challenges of sin and guilt and stuff that they regret and bad habits that they've learned and crutches that they've learned to rely on. And when that gospel comes into their life, there's, 
There, there is, uh, it, it, oh, it's not an overnight thing. God saves them and changes them overnight. But now there's the outgrowth of fixing and repairing and making that which was dead alive, making that which was broken fixed, making that which is sick healed and, and reconstructing and, and, and re, uh, helping us to, to become what God really meant us to be. And the older that we are, the more that we live separated from those realities and those truths, that when we experience that, that gospel has to go forward. And for Paul, he saw this as the, the solution in people's lives. It wasn't other solutions, it was this. And that's why he gave his life and risked it all. So for us as the church guys, this is the way we're living now is not the way we want. And the way that I'm having to lead as a pastor is not, I'll be honest with you, is not what I want to do. But it's what we have to do. And our mandate and the need of the world hasn't changed. And so I want to remind us, just as we saw in the video, that our focus needs to be that the gospel would change not only the lives of people around us, but in other communities and around the world. And that our focus needs to be that we live out that gospel truth in our lives. That's our prayer. And that's what we need to focus on. Now, the second thing I want us to notice is that we have an enemy. Now, it's enough challenges. We, have, we face enough challenges making that a reality. But Paul says, I need you to pray for me, guys. And if Paul needed for prayer in that department, how much more do we? But he says, I, I need you to pray that we would be delivered from wicked and, and evil men, men who are unprincipled, men who are off the chain is what he's, he's saying, men that just are pure evil, that are only out to stop that gospel from going forward. And he says, here's why they're like that. Not, not everybody has faith, he says. There are going to be those obstacles around us. And he, he goes a little bit further. And he says in verse 3, he gives some hope. But hey guys, don't get too, don't get too focused. Don't get too discouraged about these evil and wicked people that are out to get me. He says, God is faithful. But then he shifts it and he says, God's going to establish you and he's going to guard you against the evil one. You see, Paul put his finger on the source of the wicked and the evil in the world. You may have a translation that says that God will guard you against evil. It's, it's not just uh, uh, objective, just evil stuff floating around the world. He means God will protect us against the evil one, the one that is behind the evil, behind the atrocities, behind the awful things, behind the stuff that we shake our heads at, and how can that possibly be? And Paul says, guys, I want you to pray that I would be delivered from that, and I have confidence that God is faithful, and he's going to establish you, and he's going to protect you from the same kind of junk. Church, this morning, we need to realize we have an enemy. I don't know if you've paid attention, if you've been coming to River the last, you know, two or three years, but have you noticed how often this comes up? In all the Old Testament, the Bible tells us we have a, an enemy. Not just evil stuff in the world, but he's a personal being. Satan, the Bible describes him. And all through the New Testament, it's about it. And Paul talks about this situation all throughout, or Paul talks about it all throughout his letters, but the Bible talks about it all throughout the Bible. We have one who's dead set against the gospel pushing forward, who doesn't want to see people's lives changed, who doesn't want 
us to live in such a way that we share that and live that openly, but who instead will put obstacles in the way, who will try to prevent that from happening. He has two or three strategies that he uses. One, one is he will use the situations around us. And in this case, Paul went in many towns and, and there would often be an opposition that would arise. People that would stand out and would criticize and Paul was beaten and flogged and arrested and all kinds of things by wicked and brutal men who were unaware puppets of the one behind them that was using them and whispering into their heart and in that world system and the government and in the laws to prevent the gospel from going forward. Oh, keep in mind, Jesus told us that no authority in this world is greater than him. And he told us to go share the gospel. So any authority in the world, whether it be a government, whether it be a business or anyone that prevents that, they actually are going against God's authority and God's authority is greater. And Paul said, please pray that we be delivered from that. So sometimes we face opposition from the enemy just situationally. We don't see the enemy. We don't see Satan in that process directly, but it's, it's situational. And his aim, his aim is clearly to keep the gospel from going and seeing people saved and understanding and trusting it. And from that, those who are saved and know the gospel from experiencing the ongoing change in their life. His, his focus is to situationally keep that from happening. I very much believe a part of that plan is COVID-19. I'm not saying that everything that's happening with it is, is of his plan. I'm not saying that God doesn't, isn't doing some good things in the middle of it. There are. There's a lot of tragedy as well. But there is a challenge that the church being separated right now in many ways that for the enemy means it to threaten us and to make us afraid or shut us down, if you will. But as always, God always works and always pushes forward in, in what the enemy means for evil, God means for good. Another thing that the enemy will often do, not mentioned in this passage, but uh, he will speak lies into our heart. The Bible says he's a liar from the beginning. He's a murderer and a thief and a liar. And what the enemy does is he will plant seeds, plant lies in our soul, even when we're young and little, that, that continue to sprout and bear fruit later in our life. Things that bind us up and mess us up and keep us from seeing the God of all of his glory and his creation keeping us from experiencing his love and his grace in our lives, even after we trust Christ. Because again, he's trying to stop that gospel, the truth of God's word to, to filter and to change our lives. And sometimes the enemy works more directly, not, not very often. And I unfortunately have seen that firsthand and I won't go down that road, but he is a personal enemy with all of the anger and, and fear tactics that he employs, absolutely real. Now I want you to notice his strategies along this way as is, is he works in these ways. The Bible tells us a couple of these things and specifically that he does. One is, is he creates that obstacle, and I've already kind of talked about that too, a barrier to keep the truth of God's word from going forward, to moving past that barrier. You see, in God's mind, the truth of God's word should, should filter out across all of society. That there should be no segment of society that, that is not touched by the life-giving love and grace of the God in heaven who made this world. That's why the Bible tells us to be salt and light. That everywhere we go, as we come in contact with people, 
And as we live out our life and our work and our play and our neighbors and our hobbies and our, our church and our schools and all of these things, that we're salt and light in that world, that God wants the gospel to go forward. But one of his key strategies that he does in the church and does for our lives personally is he wants to destabilize us. You see, that's why in verse 3, Paul shifts gears. He kind of, he says, guys, but God's faithful. The Lord of heaven and earth is faithful and he will establish you. You see, one of the key attacks of the enemy is to destabilize us, to, to trip us up, to cause us to fall. You know, if I, I've got a set of stairs in my house, my, the front part of my house was built in the, the late 1800s. It's, a, it's an old, old house and, and those stairs are, they're steep. In fact, the head clearance in there, I'm 5'9", and I've hit my head coming down those stairs two or three times. I barely clear it myself. Anybody who's 5'10 should not live in my house. But uh, those stairs are steep, and I've tripped and fallen two or three times in them, just you know, carrying various things down there. So let's say that I'm upstairs, and I have my laptop and my computer, and I'm going to go downstairs for a Zoom meeting or, or something like that. And I start heading down those stairs, and I... I missed that first step or one of the steps. In that moment, I'm not thinking about making sure that I'm gonna get on the computer and I'm gonna do whatever I need to do and how I'm gonna get my work done. And that moment when I take that first trip, my one goal in life is to get stable. It's to grab myself, to help, help keep from falling, to protect myself. I, that's all that I'm thinking about. You see, the enemy wants to destabilize you. He wants to destabilize your family. He wants to destabilize your church. He wants to destabilize you personally. And the Bible says that we have a wonderful hope in the middle of that and that God is faithful and he's going to establish us, to stabilize us because the enemy is the one who's trying to destabilize us. Whenever you look and see a family or a marriage that's being ripped apart at the seams, Oh, you can know that the enemy is destabilizing and ripping that apart because he comes to kill and to destroy, the Bible says. When you see a church that's in turmoil and being pulled apart, you can know that the enemy is at work, destabilizing and ripping things apart. Paul wanted this church to know that, guys, we do face an incredible obstacle in this purpose of life to, to bring glory to God and to share the gospel because that's the way God is glorified and, and to live out that gospel, that life change. That we have an, an enemy and it will he will destabilize us throughout multiple times in our lives. But we don't need to cower. We don't need to be afraid. In fact, the opposite. We need to have a faith and a trust and a confidence that God is faithful. The faithful God of heaven the faithful one who when he was obligated to no one who sent his own son Jesus to pay the price for our sins so that we could have hope, life, and forgiveness, freedom. He is faithful and he will establish us. You know, when I think about relationships, every relationship will go through challenges and difficulties. Sometimes those challenges and difficulties are the fruit of us believing lies in our life. It's one of the tools I talked about a minute ago. The enemy will 
put those lives, sometimes planted in them long ago, and they keep bearing fruit until they get cut down by the truth of God's word and removed. Sometimes he destabilizes us with temptation, just crippling us facing things that, that we've given our heart to, much like he did with Adam and Eve and with many others, Ananias and Sapphira in the book of Acts, the Bible tells us. In those temptations, though, we're responsible before God for those. Not for the temptation, but what we do with that temptation. And once we give into it, and we go down that road, and we open that door, whether it's the first time or the 10,000th time, that destabilizes our life. It keeps us from obedience of what God wants us to do. You see, there's a there's another little indicator in here in verse 4 when Paul says, he says, We have confidence in the Lord about you that you are doing and will do the things that we command. Paul says, hey, I know you're facing an enemy, but I have confidence in God, it's a, it's, which is really wise because Paul doesn't say, oh, I have confidence in you, you're going to get it done. He doesn't. He says, I have confidence in the Lord that you're going to do, you're going to obey, that you're going to move forward through those temptations. You're going to move forward through that destabilizing effect and you're going to obey the things that God expects of you. You see, the enemy wants to sow us with those lies and to, to destabilize our, us personally and relationally and, and, and all of that. Wants to throw us into a mess. Wants to throw our church into a mess. And frankly, were it not for the faithfulness of God, none of us would, would survive any of it. None of us would. But God is faithful. When you're facing the, the, the attack of the enemy, we have to remember that. We have to remember the faithfulness of God through Scripture, through how God has, has worked in our life, through all kinds of things. I, I will tell you a personal experience. Two or three years ago, a pastor and I were trying to help someone who was, was being demonized. I don't like the word demon possession because the enemy doesn't ever possess anyone and Hollywood is only built into that reputation of fear and trying to destabilize us through fear. But when the Bible has that word, it, it literally just means to be demonized, like a vandals vandalize, demons demonize. They do their thing. They inflict and harass and, and whatever. And this, this particular woman was just uh, deeply under their, um, their involvement. And as we helped her and as we dealt with those things uh, directly affecting her and talking with her, there came a time toward the end of that and uh, when, when she, and it, it really was not her, it was the demon speaking, looked at me and with all of the grotesque fear and, or the anger and the hatred coming that this was a person that I had known and, and had, had multiple contacts with, said, that demon said, I hate you and I'm going to kill you. And immediately in that moment, I quoted Luke 10. And that's where Jesus says, Behold, I have given you authority to tread on scorpions and serpents and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. I quoted that scripture because you face those attacks of the enemy, whether they're direct like that or the situational things or the lies in our heart, it's the truth of God's word. 
And in that moment, I needed that encouragement. I needed to confront that lie, lest I believed that and had that fear in my heart and soul and confronted those, that evil one and, and all of those lies directly. Focus on is the faithfulness of God. The scriptures help me in that moment to, to focus on that. And what's bigger than anything that we're facing is that God is faithful. If there's anything that you get out of these few verses this morning is that, that, that God is faithful. Paul just puts that as a rock in the middle of this passage that no matter what you're going through, no matter really ultimately the day, well, pastor, how do I know if the enemy's really behind this or not and this or that? You don't need to spend time figuring that out. Just, just know that he's always at work doing his thing. What you need to focus on instead is the faithfulness of God to you in the middle of all of that. His incredible faithfulness. And that brings me to the third thing that I wanted to share with us is that, that, that we have an incredible help as a church, as, a, as a Christians in our families, in our homes, in our lives, in our relationships. And if you're a business owner and you're your, your business endeavors, like this is across the board for everything. Now notice that the help that we have, it's definitely the faithfulness of God. But Paul ends up, he says in verse 5, he says, May the Lord, may the Lord Jesus, who he's talking to, direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. Now I want you to think about that for a minute. Paul says, guys, you've got a purpose. This isn't going to be easy. There's a purpose, and I, this is what I'm trying to do, and you're facing the same enemy, the same obstacles with this purpose for the Word of God to be pushing forward, and he's against all that we're doing. It's not going to be easy, but I want you to know we've got help. And here's where the help is. Catch this. He says, may the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and the steadfastness of Christ. He doesn't say, may the, the Lord give you more love and give you more steadfastness, enduring the keep on, keeping on. He says, it's already there. But may He guide your heart. May He direct your hearts there. This past week, um, I, one particular day, I was at the end of the day, I was just wiped out. You know, we're, we're all experiencing screen fatigue as we knew would happen. And, but this one particular day, I had been on a lot and the conversations I'd been meeting with a number of pastors uh, in our area, in this area of New York, just we were asking them questions of each other, trying to figure it out. Hey, how, you know, where is this going? When we begin reopening, how will we do that? What will your church do? Roll out in series of things. How are you helping people? And, and there were some new discoveries in there, some things that I won't, won't uh, go into today. But, you know, I walked away from that. I don't know if discouraged is the right word, I'm a little bit more overwhelmed and just exhausted. It just, you know, just exhausting. No big problems anywhere. And, and that next morning when I got up, um, I had to deal with all of that, the emotion of that and the frustration and all of those things. And I needed to be directed to the love of God. And I just in that time just said, God, I'm not having fun right now. God, I know that I'm just hurting, I'm struggling. God, would you help me? Most of my prayer time was just kind of triaging my emotions and my soul in the, in the middle of that. And what was going on was God the Holy Spirit was directing me, pointing me and leading me. So here's the amazing thing is when you and I go through all of these things of life, no matter how evil that is, and I, I shared that just to help us to realize that there really is a personal thing, but for most of us, it's a situational and just things that we don't see that, that God is always directing us into His love. 
not directing us to love God, that our love would be for God, but more directing us to the, God, the love that God has for us. That's what he means. Paul says, I'm praying that the Lord himself would direct your heart to the love that he has for you. Remember, our heart is our feelings, our emotions, our thinking. It's the stuff that's on the inside. And Paul said, you need in the middle of all of this, you need your heart directed into the love that God has for you. You see, that's the help that we have. That's the encouragement that God gives us is that regardless of how much evil we face, how much obstacles, how many obstacles we face, regardless of how much our heart breaks and we're trying to, to serve Him and to live in a way that honors Him, whether we're trying to overcome the temptations of things that we've ingrained in our lives and allowed to happen, that Paul says, your heart, may God direct your heart into the love that He has for you, that love that is beyond bounds, that is beyond measure, the love that is beyond all obstacles, that nothing can stop that love coming towards you, the love that, 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 that infloods and invades and invade your soul, that our heart will be directed to that. Now for me, God does that through His Word and through prayer. And those are the things on the inside that God changes me and strengthens me and helps me and overcomes some of those, those thoughts and doubts and fears and all of that and the obstacles. And the second piece of that is that, that he would also direct us to the steadfastness of Christ. Not only is it direct our hearts to, to the love that God has for us, but to direct, get this, but direct our hearts to the steadfastness that Christ has for us. Do you know that Jesus is the one who is steadfast for you? You're able to make it through because of his steadfastness. You see, the gospel and the truth of God's word is counter to everything in the world system around us. We've talked about this many times. If you're trying to hold on to what you used to know in the world and uh, the Lord Jesus, it ain't going to work. Bad grammar, but it ain't going to work. And what the world around us tells us is that, well, you need to just buckle down and will yourself into enduring it. Tuck your head and work hard and be empowered and all of that. It'll get you a little ways down the road, but it will not get you all the way. Instead, our steadfastness is supernatural. It's the steadfastness that the Lord Jesus has for us. He's our righteousness. He's our goodness. He's even our steadfastness. You see, I don't care what you're facing right now, but as you try to live your life leaning into God's word and all that he has for you, and as you try to live that out in such a way that pushes the gospel forward for other people's lives as well as your own, you're going to be able to continue. You know how I know that? I don't know that because I believe in you. I know that because I believe in Him. There's a steadfastness that if you know the Lord Jesus, that He has saved you and delivered you from sin, you're going to make it. You are categorically going to make it because He made it. He made it for you. He did it on your behalf. When He died on that cross, He purchased deliverance from your sins, and He is steadfast for you. So church this morning, 
I know we're in unusual days. Our mission has not changed one bit. We may not be able to gather and we weren't able to do our Easter activities and outreach and all kinds of other things, but there's other ways. Our purpose is still the same. When we come back together, it's that God's word would push forward into the lives of the people that you know and are around you. And that's something that you can do today and should be doing today in your life. That God's word wants to push forward in your own heart and soul, growing what you're doing. Be sober, be aware. We do have an enemy who is tenacious, formidable, but God is faithful. He will not allow you to face a temptation or trial beyond what he will sustain and strengthen you in the middle of that. And he will direct your heart to him. Notice that God directs our heart. We, we don't just lie there plainly and, well, God's just not directing my heart to love today. I'm not feeling the love. I'm not feeling very enduring. No. Think about it this way. Have you ever tried to steer a car when it was off that had power steering and the hydraulics hadn't kicked in and you just, you got to crank on that wheel. You can do it. If the key's in it, you can keep turning it, but it's not running. And then when it is running and the hydraulics just turn and make you feel like you're Superman, like you're strong or Wonder Woman. That's kind of the way it is with this. God is the one that directs our heart, but we need to participate in that. He's the one that moves us and guides us, even when we're not fully aware of what we're doing and what's going on. But we need to participate. In other words, read his word. Spend some time praying. Spend some time saying, God, I don't know how to get out of this, but I recognize I'm in a mess. Honestly, when I'm in that, those triage moments, and they're often, God, I don't know what I'm going to do. Would you help me? I just, I recognize it. I need your help. Till the Lord Jesus comes back for you, you're going to need to regularly cry out to him for strength, sustaining, for encouragement, for overcoming temptation, and he will help you. He promises. May God direct you to the incredible love that he has for you today and toward that endurance that he has for you. And I pray that you direct somebody else to that same love that he wants to have for them. Tell them about Jesus. Show that gospel and tell them about him today. River, God bless you. I love you guys. I pray we're able to get together soon. Don't know how that's going to play out. Stay post, stay tuned. You know, as we know more, we'll let you know. But uh, love you guys and miss you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderland, New York. Visit us on Sundays at 10 a.m. or online at riveralbany.com.